All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to Buckets and Beyond, your favorite podcast for Mavs perspective on the NBA and pop culture. I'm your host, Ben Seibel. I'm joined by the goon, Andrew Bennett, and Jay Bonney in the building. Yep, yep. And we're getting into, <laughs> getting into a few NBA topics today, and then we have a lot of uh, nerd content in the beyond uh, category, so we'll just get right into it. So recently, former Maverick coach Avery Johnson said that uh, you have Kristaps Porzingis, who's the Robin to the Batman in Luka Doncic. There's one of the best one-two punches in all of basketball. They're a team that can potentially sneak into the finals. Guys, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I feel like this is a, a former coach just kind of, I don't know, maybe reminiscing, maybe part reminiscing on his own career, part like, hey, guys, remember me? Like, I coached this team before, you know, like sort of trying to like, make his presence felt a little bit. I feel like it's part that – I feel like it's also part um, him sort of, like, projecting his own his, – uh, his passion for coaching and basketball onto the team now. I bet in his head he's like, man, you know, like, if, if I were – you know, if I were coaching this team, I would have it like this. I'd do that matchup here. You know, he's probably – like, all these coaching things are probably running through his head, and he's like – realizing like yeah you know they're pretty good you know people don't know how good this team is right now and you know through my coaching eyes I could see you know like this team that I've once a part of I could see how they could make it through but I feel like this is mostly you know a coach just sort of making his own coaching uh making his presence felt once again as a former coach him you know almost flexing I would, I would, uh, I would, I would consider this a humble brag, maybe. <laughs> Not that he has anything to do with it, but like you know, I could, you know, I could see, you know, through my through my Maverick coaching genius. It's like yeah, I it's like you're rooting, see. you're rooting for your alma mater. It's like I graduated from that college. They got a great team. They're gonna go all the way this year. I'm not on the team anymore. I don't coach the team. I just went there for four years, but they got it. Uh, yeah, exactly. yeah, that's a perfect way to put it. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, you know, uh, it's good to see Avery. Good to see him uh, on the, you know, what was he on CBS Sports? He's on. He's on some TV shows talking about the maps. It's good to see him uh, talking about this. And you know, I'm over, I'm up here looking at pictures now. I'm like looking at Avery Johnson and things. I mean, I'm an Avery Johnson fan. I don't know about y'all. I look I look back on those days fondly. It's always sure. good to see him. Yeah, I was I'd a rather big him. Fan. I'd rather him be saying this about the Mavericks and the Spurs. I think he won a title with. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah. yeah. So at least he's on our side still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What do you think, Andrew? It's like, I think there yeah, is some uh, validity to it. I mean, but... it, it's, it's, I, I love any time the Mavericks are, are praised the way they ought to be, or like, we all personally as fans believe that this is a this is a this is a team that has special potential or has the potential to be a championship caliber team and so it's always 
uh, it's always nice to hear that from people with actual ex- like championship experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, like <laughs> to hear it from people who are in basketball outside of just like the rec league court and to hear it from people who have won championships, have coached uh, 2006 Mavs, uh, should be a championship team, and we can talk about it on another date. But, like, to, to, to get that from someone with a real pedigree, uh, and it kind, of, it kind of makes me want to hear the thoughts of, like, other – like, I would love to hear from Don Nelson what he thinks of this Mavs team because uh, he coached – some of the best offensive, uh, mm. some of the best offensive teams, uh, where you had Steve Nash and Dirk Nowitzki, another incredible one-two punch. Really, Dirk Nash and Finley, a one-two-three punch. Uh, so I would love to hear from more from more retired coaches, coaches that aren't like in the game and don't have like a vested interest anymore. Mm-hmm. But to hear from coaches who could be like, "Hey, you know, like, don't sleep on this team. Like, they might mess you up." Uh, so yeah, I would love to. I would love to get more of this kind of stuff from from not just Avery, but um, yeah, I'm trying to think of of um, any other coaches that might be interesting to hear from. Do y'all uh, have any thoughts on the words on the word choice "sneaky"? Because like, first off, I don't I don't really like the word "sneaky." <laughs> I don't like how it sounds. He, he's hedging his bets. He's hedging his bets there. Yeah, because he's I, not I saying like they're this. a lock. He's just saying no, that no, no, he wouldn't no. be surprised if they got there yeah i don't know i feel like if i was in his position i would if i was going to throw out a take like that i would maybe choose a, a more confidence word besides sneaky i'm not not that i'm offended but hey hey i still back, still praise but yeah yeah the 2011 mavericks that was a sneaky team that was a sneaky team we were like uh, fourth or fifth seed or something like that we no were, I believe yeah. we were the gave us a second seed. thought i think we were the three seed um but still, uh, but I feel like nobody like in the 2011 run, everybody was thinking about like the Lakers, the Heat, like the yeah. bigger teams that you know had those bigger stars, and we just had Dirk at the time. So I think it's interesting where we've got with KP and Luca, we've got a really good bench, and our record against the playoff teams is is pretty solid. You know, like we've beaten a lot of these contenders in some of the cases, like we've beaten. You know, Milwaukee, we, we've beaten, you know, the Sixers handily. Like, all of these really good teams, like, are either sometimes with, sometimes without Luka. I don't know. I feel like uh, not everybody's aware of, of how good we are. They're just kind of, like, assuming, like, it's LeBron or, or Clippers. And, well, yeah, so we've, we've mentioned final. this before, where <clears throat> the Mavericks are no – on the national news radar, the Mavericks rarely have ever – make it like slip into the like it's if not for Luca we would not be on on any ESPN highlights it's 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 LeBron it's Zion it's for some reason they are always still talking about the Knicks the Knicks are always in people's conversations which is annoying is all uh, I'll I'll digress there but but yeah we in that and that kind of I think that explains part of Avery's sneakiness comment because we don't get covered a lot. Mm-hmm. We're not uh, – even when they talk about, like, what games are going to be nationally televised, like, we, we're kind of middle of the road, middle of the pack uh, right now. Like, not, not a whole lot of eyeballs have been on the Mavericks uh, yet as a team. So, 
uh, I think that kind of justifies this comment in that like we're sneaky because no one's watching us, uh, which is which is an advantage I think. Yeah, and and I think he's just uh, I have a lot of fun memories of the the '06 team and you know the teams that he coached and like the relationship and how he would act around his players. I remember being very like mad that they replaced him with Rick Carlisle and now we have this you know super long-standing you know legacy with Rick and uh, I think it's it's he's a classy guy he's not like other commentators like if if uh, somebody replaced them in a coaching position they wouldn't just shower the praise on the team like Avery did so that's very cool of him to do that um, but. have we has there ever been a team because I'm just I'm not thinking about it we went from Don Nelson, Hall of Fame coach, uh, to Avery Johnson, who might not make it in the Hall of Fame as a coach, but is like has been in basketball for 30-plus years now and has mm-hmm. won championships, to Rick Carlisle, who probably will also be a Hall of Fame coach. Has any team or any franchise had three straight – like we – like you know like Greg Popovich has been around for the last 25 years, uh-huh. and that's one team with one coach. But has any team been able to sustain – that quality of coaching across, across essentially like three decades almost with three different coaches. I, I think I think that's wild. Now that the I only one it. I can think of also has Don Nelson in it, uh, but I might, if I remember correctly, Don Nelson then to Mark Jackson then to Steve Kerr. I don't know if that's the exact how I think exactly. Yeah, yeah. But Mark Jackson was like two years. But he, I, I think he had a huge hand of like getting the Splash Brothers, you know, to where they were, you know, where Steve Kerr just basically told them to shoot more. But you know, I think he did a huge job in developing their games. So, yeah, that's true. That'd be the that'd Celtics be come to mind. I just googled them. <clears throat> um, I mean, not mind blowing, but they had. They had Brad Stevens right now. Um, before him, Doc Rivers, who they won champion, won one championship with. Mm-hmm. Before him, they had John Carroll for a, a sh- very short time, and then they had um, John Carroll. That was actually his only coaching gig. I guess he wasn't built for that. <laughs> I guess he wasn't tough enough Shot, for shots it. Shots fired at John Carroll. Yes, yeah, he, he spent half a season with them like 15 years ago, 2004. Before then, it was Jim O'Brien who had a <clears throat> a, a winning record with the Celtics. Um, had a decent little run. They played in a bunch of playoff games. So, I mean, they were a playoff team back then still. Yeah. I would say that that's a pretty impressive run. And Doc Rivers is a legend anyway. Like, his, his son's raw. He's raw. Um, <laughs> yeah. A, a uh, winner. A winner, you know. So, looking at the Warriors, actually. So, Don Nelson was there two, 2006 to 2010. Um, and they actually had a – a losing record while he was their coach overall. Um, and then for a season, they had Keith Smart, who also had a losing record. And then they ju- then they went to Mark Jackson mm, okay. uh, and Steve Kerr. And look at this. Okay, so Don Nelson, they won about 44% of their games. Keith Smart, they won about 44% of their games. Mark Jackson ticked it up to 52, like, 0.526 winning percentage. Steve Don't Kerr. Read Steve Kerr's percentage. Do y'all want to know what Steve Kerr's winning oh, percentage? Dude. Like 90. Regular season games, they went on a 78 and a half percent, like 0.785. Oh, wow. <laughs> Over the last Wowzers. six. 
And that includes that includes this season when they were garbage. They were complete Dang. garbage this season. They were tankathoning. And they're winning percent. So uh, they must have been in the eighties before then. <laughs> I, I would stack up. I would stack up win percentage. I would stack up R three. I think against any list of three like consecutive coaches. And I, I just think like Rick and and Avery are both coaches that made a lot of careers in a sense that they you know they gave guys chances that other coaches wouldn't or like J.J. Barea started playing with Avery and then he became like one of the biggest you know contributors on the championship team like there's like he knew both coaches knew how to get the most out of them and like put them in the right situations and smooth their pieces I don't know he I just feel like our coaches I think we should acknowledge though that like our coaching as great as it's been have failed really to get like to really attract joints to attract stars. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think what, up, yeah. Part of the issue is our that team. And then we didn't really have, I mean, it could have been worse, but you know, <laughs> we fell pretty far for a little bit after we won, you know, like, yeah, that doesn't fall on Rick, but you know, the, the culture that you build with your coaches and things. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that, that's got to be a factor into why uh, we haven't had a – we didn't we don't, we haven't had a Dwight Howard. Took a while to get DeAndre Jordan. And got that, that was, uh, you know, a little overdue. Uh, Look, that trade worked out fine, you know. We just, just got to – we have to live with the fact that the only time we're going to get all-star free agents is about three or four years after they are over the hill and they're done. We got Vince Carter in the twilight of his career. We got Darren Williams, Williams, twilight of his career. We got Jason Kidd in the twilight of his career. We're not getting marquee free agents in their prime anymore. We might now with Luca and KP, but we're not. We're not a franchise that we, we always get. We always get them on the back end, on the tail end of their, of their. Um, okay, so kind of bouncing off of that Batman and Robin thing, and we can. We might be able to table this and we have more time to look into it like ideally we'd want like that third piece that complements batman and robin right um a lot of there's people that think that tim hardaway jr is that piece he stepped up to that regard where he's you know shooter that can defend and he's just like that guy that you know fires up the team but then there's also people who still want to go free agent fishing like, oh, let's get Bradley Beal. Oh, let's get C.J. McCollum, you know. And those two come up the most because they're in situations that aren't ideal for them, um, especially Bradley Beal. Um, but what do you guys think about that? Do you think that we need a third piece or we just, like, keep keep developing what we've got and, and you know, we go from there? Um, well, I've always thought that um, – I know our offense is is uh, regarded, but if we could find someone to put more points up, I actually like a Kyle Korver signing. Um, I think he's I think he's up on his thing. Interesting choice there, I know, but like he's a shooter. Another you know? another marquee free agent that we could pick up in the twilight of their <laughs> career. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Proud Mavericks tradition. <laughs> but yeah, like. Um, I don't know. Somebody can put some points up. 
I forgot the question was actually. <laughs> well, basically the question was, do you want to keep uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. or do you want to uh, chase a free agent? Uh, I like- just, I, I just wonder if the Mavericks try to, um, I, actually, you know, I'm confident the Mavericks do this, try to fit a, a circle in a square peg or whatever, <laughs> however that phrase goes. Yeah. You know, we, we're trying to, um, you know, I think, with the, some of the re-signings, you know, like we, we've had some J.J. J. Brea. I mean, he's filled his role. But, like, I don't think that J.J. Brea – I don't think we picture J.J. Brea being, like, our spark plug. As raw as he is, we, they, we have other options. You know, Tim Hardaway Jr., he's raw. He's got flashes of greatness. He's got great games. He's also got, like, I mean, 15 points a game, solid. And um and he start he starts a lot he starts often, um, but you know he's had better he's he's played better before and and he's played great he's looking like he's great now, but I don't know if he's a third piece but I feel like in the Mavs eyes they're like oh yeah we got our guy like Tim Hardaway <laughs> Jr. Once he's on fire or whatever you know like I think we might be like looking at this guy like he's about to take us to the He's about to be the one piece that we need to get to the finals. And I just don't know if that's, if that's going to be a thing, you know. <laughs> I feel like we might be a little delusional with our, um, with our roles here. You know, things like um, – trying to think of some other players that we that – we, um, But with our free agent record, like. can we afford to, like, even go shopping? You know what I'm saying? Like, can, yeah. can we really convince CJ or Bradley Beal, you know, like, hey, come join us? I feel like we could. I, I I just question our methods because we haven't. I don't know. Is Dallas really not that attractive to people? Uh, who are we trying to get this summer? It's Without about it. to be. I think it's. I think it's gonna be. We are just yeah. as. There is. We are just as attractive as San Antonio or Houston. I would argue more so, especially uh, now. a lot more so, especially now with KP and 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 Luca, and I think. And Ben, I think I think you know where I stand on this because we've had numerous debates about this. I, as the team is currently constructed, one, we don't know how far this team can fly as currently constructed. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think we all can agree that this team still has room to grow. Like the roster as constructed, still can be better just with just with the guys getting better themselves. Like not adding any other new new players or new blood like we're at I think we're at like 80 to 90 percent of what this team if that of what this team can really do at its fullest potential mm-hmm. so uh I'm not I, I I don't I don't view Tim Hardaway as like the third guy even though he's generally going to be like that third scoring option either he or Seth Curry are kind of trading off that 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 third, third scoring, uh, scoring option. But I think the team right now, the whole bench and the whole, like the host of role players that we have essentially gives you that third option. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and partly this is because Luca and KP can be so, so dominant or transcendent on a sing on any given night, but the rest of the bench is no slouch. And and so if the choice is between having a team that can go eight or nine guys deep or a team that has 
three incredible talents at the top. I'm going to go with the team that runs eight or nine deep and has KP and Luca at the top. I'm going to, I'm going to go with that, that team that has the deep roster of role players. Cause I mean, and we, we talked about it earlier this season. There was one game in particular where KP and Luca both scored like 10 points and the rest of the bench, 10 guys down the line, all scored in double digits and we won the game. And there's no other there's no other team in the league that did that this season or that could do that on a consistent basis because right. nobody nobody constructs a team, and I think that's part of we're 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 hard boiled into this like you need three you need a big three Boston three party you got those you got Golden State running out four ulcers you got to have three, and uh, you know and the the Miami three heat you know blah, blah, like you got to have you got to have three big names and. I don't think that's entirely true. Uh, you know, we, we'll see. But I think, in my opinion, I, I always lean towards give, give me that well-rounded eight or nine guys deep roster over chasing Bradley Beal or C.J. McCollum. And then you have three awesome guys. And kind of, I mean, look at the benches for, like, the Cleveland Cavaliers or the Miami Heat the last couple of years that LeBron was there garbage bare bones like don't like no like give me give me a well-rounded team where i where i can be excited when jj Barea comes into the game when devin like when when dwight powell and maxi kleba when i can be like all right i can trust these guys to do their job regardless of who's in the game like i i want that in a team but i'll be happy if we get a third option too but (laughs) But I that that's my that's my personal preference. Yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm leaning more towards that, and I think uh, I just think we have really great chemistry. Like I think we arguably have some of the best chemistry in the league, and I think that most efficient offense. I just have I have PTSD from when we broke up the championship team and all of that chemistry, and you know for for the sake of going for a free agent, so I just know that we can build something here, see what we have in this playoffs, and then, you know, hopefully keep uh, Tim Hardaway. Um, So before we wrap up the bucket segment, I wanted to get into the much uh, disputed cover of uh, 2K21 with um, Zion Williamson just kind of dunking on it. Yeah, on some guys. I think this has to be the least ex- least amount of games played uh, for a cover athlete in the history of time. That's just kind of my first impression. And I get he's like supposed to be the next dude or the next, you know, LeBron or MJ or whatever. But goodness gracious, like the hype is is what they're putting on that cover. Anyway. Yeah, I'm looking at the other covers, and they, they're all bangers. You know, we got, we got Kyrie on a cover. We got Allen Iverson on two of them. We got KD. Derrick Rose got a cover. Questionable. Was on the cover of the first five 2Ks. Who? Allen Iverson was on the cover of the first five. Oh, 2Ks. was he? 
That's probably why like, his name keeps popping up here. Yeah, he I keep seeing the him. Brand, he put the brand on his back for five <laughs> straight years. Dang, we need to call these games Allen Ivy's Basketball yeah. <laughs> Adventure. <laughs> A better title than that. <laughs> Something like that. But yeah, Giannis was on the one last year. Uh, I have the latest 2K, but I don't, I don't know even. I really don't even know who's on it. But yeah, like. And he's not even the rookie of the year this year. Like, Ja Morant is, the, like, you know, put the Memphis Grizzlies in playoff yeah, contention. Is, is I think it's still Morant. up for debate. This is, this is John Morant erasure right here. This is – I mean, but – I don't ahead, know. Like, I think it's still up for debate because Zion's been balling out. He's got, like, what, 20-something? 23 uh, – almost 24 points a game. He's – uh. He's played like since he's been back. He's played the whole time. Like you know, I'm a. Uh, he's he's rebounding. played the whole time that he's allowed to play, if he's not under a load management or minutes control. Fair enough. Yeah, but when he's on the court, he's on the court. He's balling. That's true. That's true. But John Morant has been on the court the whole season, and he's okay. been balling out the whole season. I just think if you have an alternative cover and you're looking for a young superstar that has played a full season and won Rookie of the Year, look no further than your boy, Luka Doncic. Okay? Come on. Yeah. How I wasn't hard even is that? Think how, yeah, I wasn't even thinking about Luka on there. I was imagining John oh. Morant on the cover, and I'm just thinking, like, okay, he might be Rookie of the Year so far. Like, I, I, I think there needs to be a, 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 a games uh, – we need more – um, parameters in these awards because it becomes a thing of like, all right, well, what matters to you most? How how much they've impacted the whole season or how good they've been when they're on the court? And, to, and you know, <laughs> that's where we differ. But at the end of the day, we're not the like, somebody's going to pick somebody based on, on their views, on their perspectives on those two um, parameters. I think we need to like maybe, you know, uh, Zion started 19 games this season make it 20 you know you have to play 20 games or you have to play 50 percent of the season at least to, to get to be eligible or you have to play a certain amount of minutes to be eligible um i think if, if we were to make that rule then we would have to take out zion of the conversation and just give it to ja but like if we're going off of who's balling who like i'm taking zion bro because i mean that man bro yeah, if you were drafting a that team inspiring zion. <laughs> so um yeah, and I think I think this is this is going to be the struggle for us as as viewers of the NBA, and I think it's going to be a little bit of a struggle for Zion, and and for the other players that have to like orbit his this like supernova of because it's partly it's, it's this self fulfilling prophecy. We're like, why did we put Zion on the cover? It's partly because he has been balling out. But it's also because he's the most heralded prospect since LeBron. Like, I mean, he has the most hype since LeBron James, probably. Why does he have the most hype? He had an incredible college uh, season or career. But it's also because he's on ESPN every single night. There is a Zion Watch segment on ESPN every day. And so it's this, it's this very cyclical, like, well, we want to put him on the cover because he's always getting covered by, like, sports media he's always on, he's always covered by sports media i mean it just it's this it's this very 
it, I view it as a very circular, like, we got to put him on the cover because he's the biggest name. Why is he the biggest name? Because we keep putting him on the cover and we keep putting him front and center, regardless of what, what he does, which when he is on the court, it's incredible when he's on the court. But he's been on the court for, uh, like, a minute. Are, are uh, we, like, are we really, I don't know. To me, are we holding that against him? He's had an injury. And I get it, durability is a factor. But, like, this man's durable, bro. This dude busts through his Jordans and during a game, like, <laughs> crossing the ball. We've never seen that before, man. Like, this guy, he looks like, he looks like a lineman. He looks like he could play any sport. It, he's built for he's built for war. <laughs> he's not even built for for athletics. He's built for for destruction, combat, and and conquer. Clearly not if he's <laughs> as injured as he is. Yeah, look, but look, I'm, not, I'm not disputing that. But don't sleep on John Morant. Go like watch some watch some dunk highlights of John Morant. Bad dude. Man, yeah, he's he's destroying some people too. So it's 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 a beautiful problem to have. It's a beautiful problem yeah. to have because. You have two people who it's like, I'm excited to watch you play for the next 15 years. Like, regardless. Yeah. It's been um, a good class. Yeah. RJ Barrett as well is exciting, at least for the Knicks. I mean, you know, at least for the Knicks. <laughs> I know people are – like, We'll just get into the Beyond segment where we're talking about two big stories that have been released. The first one we'll get into is um, the idea of – the well, actually the rumor of Michael Keaton – in talks to join the upcoming Flash movie, um, reprising his role as Batman from 30 years ago. Um, if you ask anybody, he a lot of people will tell you that he is their favorite Batman, um, including Christian Bale and all their more recent iterations. Um, and those movies, those uh, um, with the ones that he was in, uh, versus the Joker, uh, Jack Nichols, uh, Nicholson, and then um, with Catwoman and Penguin, those are like the neo-Gothic, iconic 90s ultimate Batman. And um, they kind of put they kind of put established Batman as a like a, a cinematic like for like it, I mean it put it on the map as like oh these can actually be like good quality. Like movies with like huge actors yeah and i think what's interesting about this is that you know michael keaton came out as uh the vulture in the spider-man franchise and if he does this he's like double dipping in two different the marvel cinematic universe and then the dc uh extended universe so what are your guys thoughts on that initially and then, and then i can kind of let you know what i think <clears throat> Uh, I'll jump in. I kind of think, and we talked about this pre, uh, pre-recording, I think that it's a little bit flaccid to have him play Batman in a Flash movie. I would rather see Michael Keaton in a Batman movie. And I think that's probably the best option for DC right now that needs to, you know, uh, put some they, – they need to shake it up a little bit because Marvel's killing them right now. You know, the, the, the DC movies – outside a couple of them and you know from my perspective i'm not a big movie review guy i'm not a big movie buff but from what i've ex- you know from what i've seen not well received um even from fans I, y- y'all are big into the uh comic books you know there isn't a huge 
um, you know, like there's a lot of room for them to improve. And I, I think um, I would rather see Michael, I'd rather see an old Batman movie. Cause we've seen, we saw Christopher Nolan like murder any kind of like modern Batman scenario. Um, he did that perfect flawless execution. Um, at least from my eyes, you know, honestly, I think we should have an episode where we just talk about the Nolan movies. Cause like, I'm not even a Batman fan and, and those are incredible. To me. But you know, we've seen, you know, they, they tried the Batman Superman thing. They tried to, uh, you know, shake it up a little bit to mixed results. So I, I, I would, I, I do like Michael Keaton as Batman, but I, I don't necessarily think a flash movie is, um, the right place for a Michael Keaton Batman. I, I would rather see, hell, bring even bring some old villains back and um, and then make like a an old Batman. They, we, they've done this before too. You know, we have Batman Beyond, huge success. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've we've seen even in the comic books. I'm uh, I'm not too big on the lore, but I know that that they've had a few changing of the guards within the Batman universe. So, like, we've already toyed with an older Batman. We've already toyed with different Batmans. Let's play with that a little bit. With Michael Keaton, the OG Batman. Let's, let's, uh, I think they're kind of, um, they got their foot on the brakes with this decision. I mean, and they haven't made any decisions. I think, um, as you said, it's just a rumor. But I think they got their foot on the brakes versus foot on the gas um, with that decision. I'm a Michael Keaton guy, though. I, I want to see him as Batman, for sure. Be step ahead of a uh, be better than uh, Ben Affleck. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, that was a lot of good takes. Uh, Andrew, you're chomping at the bit. I'm sure you've got some. Uh, I I won't belabor that. I really I really <clears throat> don't care about the DC universe right now. Uh, I won't I won't harp on that too much. I I I love Michael Keaton as an actor. I think any any movie that adds him to the cast is a net gain like regardless of what role he's in like it's uh like i mean it was it was beneficial to spider-man uh to have him uh for sure to have to have him in the cast uh so uh, so i think it will help the flash movie but it's kind of like it's kind of like adding a little bit of creamer and sugar to a really shitty cup of coffee (laughs) like like you've like yeah, it tastes a little bit better, but this is still not good. Um, I, the the part that does excite me the most is that he could appear in multiple DC projects as kind of a recurring. I saw some people compare it on uh, the Hollywood Reporter compare it to like Sam Jackson as Nick Fury, kind of appearing in multiple, you know, as kind of this this thread that ties them together. But then. We also have, in other Batman news, we have Matt Reeves' uh, The Batman, which is coming out with, eventually with Robert Pattinson in, in the title role. Uh, but that is, I think, has, is being treated as kind of its very, like, standalone, like, mm-hmm. its own sort of isolated universe. So they're not even attempting to connect. I don't think they're even attempting to connect that to anything else. So it's, it's nice, like, I... I'm, I'm with you, Jay. Like, I want to see, I would love to see that dynamic. We haven't really gotten that in a Batman movie before where you have an older Batman passing the torch or you have, the closest you get is Christian Bale to Joseph Gordon-Levitt, but that's, again, like, current Batman 
sort yeah sort of passing the torch but the dc universe as a whole is just so disjointed and and all over the place that no matter how interesting like the individual projects might be trying to build it into this like wider universe just feels um it it, it doesn't interest me that much and it just feels poorly executed across the board like yeah i'll i'll leave it there i mean, love michael keaton but this doesn't, this doesn't really change too much of my hopes for the flash movie or my expectations yeah i just uh the thing i got most excited about is like you said jay with older batman comes first thing you think of batman beyond and the awesomeness of that series and all of the you know potential for storytelling there um what's weird about this whole thing is that this movie is apparently about flashpoint or like the story arc and in that version the flash goes back in time to save his mom and he meets like thomas wayne bruce wayne's dad who is batman so thomas wayne is batman because bruce wayne got shot and then not the parents so this by having michael keaton in there it it's not even the same story anymore because it's just regular batman in the future so it i guess this is their way of like hey we're shaking up the story so it's not what you've seen before um but i'm kind of like disregarding the flash movie and really hoping they just like use this as a jumping off point to like batman beyond and because with the robert pattinson batman that matt reeves is directing he's just starting so if we were to go off the current time timeline it'll be like 20 years before he has like a nightwing or like has had like robin and and batgirl so he that character so far from that like they can't necessarily go like the dc or the the marvel route that just just is just linear so instead they're adding the older batman so you can tell some of those stories from the future perspective you've got the young batman and robert pattinson who's like growing and figuring himself out and for some reason in the and the snyder cut you still have maybe ben affleck get like reshoot some scenes with that so i think dc has kind of said like hey like we can instead of just you know waiting to tell all these stories we can tell them with different actors at different times but like in in different universes and time will tell whether that will be received well because you know they've had success with the joker movie which is separate from all the other stuff so if they can find similar like execution like and have and tell good stories i think it'll be okay but i don't know i'm just I don't know. Like, I just don't want to force Batman into other movies when I think we can, you know, have like a Shazam movie without Batman and still have a good quality film. So we'll see. Like, they're clearly still figuring it out. But as uh, I got a question for y'all, as as like longtime fans, um, what do y'all have more of a demand for? Because as a casual fan who, who, you know, read the comic books when I was a kid, but kind of outgrew it, like moved on to other things. As a casual fan, I don't want to see a Flash movie. I would rather see a Batman Beyond movie. I would rather see, like, where's, where's the demand at? Because to me, this seems like a kind of a, uh, um, I don't know, for DC, it seems kind of like a weird choice to me for them to make a Flash movie. We, we already got the series, which um, 
I don't know. I've like tried to watch it. I don't know how well that's doing, but they have they have a whole series. <laughs> they have a whole series. Yeah, with the they Flash. do. And so do people of- are people like, oh man, I gotta have more Flash. Maybe I just don't like the Flash. <laughs> I don't know. What do y'all think? You don't see the appeal. Are, it seems like are y'all are y'all excited? Are y'all like itching for a Flash movie with with a an alternate Batman who's not even Batman, who's a, a dead guy? <laughs> like, cause really, like, who is that? Like. I haven't read Flashpoint. I, I'm actually interested in that. I didn't know the story until you just mentioned it now. I'm interested in that storyline. But, like, Thomas Wayne is a dead guy to me. <laughs> you know? Like, to me, I would rather see them, like, do that high-risk, high-reward Batman Beyond movie if they're going to bring back Michael Keaton. What, what, what do y'all think? Like, what, 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 where's y'all's fanhood at? What do y'all want to see from DC? If anything, I don't, Andrew, kind of like, <laughs> like oh, sounds like you're checking out. <laughs> no, I, I, completely, I completely agree with you. If you're going to get Michael Keaton, make a Batman Beyond movie. Like if you're, if you're going to have him, it, again, it's, you're making a movie and you have all these ingredients and it's essentially like, it's essentially like putting Michael Keaton in a Flash movie is like putting raisins in, in your, uh, in your potato salad or whatever. Like chili. Like, or, or, yeah, or beans in your chili or whatever. It's like, okay, I guess, but, like, why are you doing it? Why, why aren't you putting it in this other recipe that actually calls for Michael Keaton? Like, why aren't you putting him, why aren't you putting <laughs> Michael Keaton in the movie that calls for Michael Keaton? Like, what? So, yeah. It, and, and you make a good point with, again, I, Ben is the, Ben is the, is the expert when it comes to comic books. And, and all of this stuff, I, I wouldn't consider myself part of, like, maybe the DC fandom necessarily. I will probably go see a Flash movie just because it'll be part of the Zyga, and it'll just be one more notch in the DC sucks belt for me. <laughs> so I personally am not clamoring for a Flash movie. I do think, like, I also wasn't clamoring for an Aquaman movie. Aqu- the Aquaman movie was solid. It was like a solid that. entry. Um, I think there's a certain line between like when we're making superhero movies, were people clamoring for an Ant-Man movie? No, but they gave it to us and we got Paul Rudd as Ant-Man and that was pretty solid. So like, there's there's this like, do you need demand or do you create demand? Do you need demand for, like what comes for the cart or the horse? And in some yeah. cases, studios, Marvel has been much better at that like nobody was clamoring for a guardians of the galaxy movie until they created the demand for it um are people going to be clamoring for a flash 2 after this one i don't think so but uh we'll see uh, but yeah but ben he, oh, i'll leave it there I've, I've i've shit on dc enough today yeah um, there's, there's just a, until it actually happens until we see what the product looks like see how it comes out it's hard to speculate um, but from what we know right now, there's not, there's not a lot to go off of, but I will it, say this though. One, one point that does have me intrigued and I was just looking this up cause, and I have done like minimal research on this because I don't care about the flash movie to begin with. Uh, like, and, and Ben, we've talked about this before. Like I'm still not convinced that it's going to happen. 
or it's going to occur. Like we've been hearing, we've been hearing about this, like it's in development, we're in talks. Oh, we it's got our, happening. Our, this is we're the director. Like we're in for the last three years, like since Justice League or since BBS came out, like we've been, it's like, oh, we're going to get a Flash movie. We're going to get a Flash movie. Uh, it does, this does interest me. It will be directed by Andy Muschietti, who, uh, I don't know if either of you saw the most recent uh, It movies, like the Stephen King clown It movies. Andy Muschietti directed those. And those were some pretty great, I, I think on balance were some pretty great like adaptations of, of a novel of source material. So like the director has a little bit of a track record with creating and like building off of uh, and adapting, you know, a book or a, a source material like, like you might do with Flash or any superhero movie. So that interests me, that excites me. Quite frankly, that excites me a lot more than Michael Keaton in this movie. Like, knowing that it's in the hands of a relatively, like, established director uh, is far more interesting to me than, like, here's some old Batman in your Flash movie. <laughs> uh, All right. So. Well, I'll take it. That's that's about as much of a compliment as we'll get from Andrew on a DC project. So, uh, So we're moving on from... DC, who has a very loose idea of canon, to Star Wars, who has a very tight-knit, ironclad canon. And, Used to. Or, yeah, it might be past tense. Uh, according to the rumor that a, a YouTuber pointed out that Lucasfilm is preparing to render the sequel trilogy null and void the events of The Force Awakens, Last Jedi, and The Rise of Skywalker will be removed from canon, isolated in their own alternate timeline, and regarded as Elseworlds, like installments under the label of Star Wars Legends. <clears throat> and part of this rumor involves um, Dave uh, Filoni, um, who has been at the creative helm of the Clone Wars series, and Jon Favreau, who has been behind The Mandalorian, as kind of apparently um, starting a an internal battle with Kathleen Kennedy, who has been running all of these sequel trilogy movies, and their point is essentially that the fans want something different. Um, and uh, now, now canon is is very uh, strict in, in Star Wars, and um, I just kind of want to know what Andrew thinks because I know he's got like a very he he knows a lot more about this than I do. So, what do you think? <clears throat> so I, I I have a lot of thought. I think a lot of things. I have lots of thoughts. Um, one, do you want me to read off who has has started this rumor? It's uh, uh, his name's Doomcock. <laughs> yeah. I've been thinking about the, that the uh, whole time. Quote, the quote: "Future ruler of the of the earth, comma the Doomcock Overlord DVD YouTube channel." has created this rumor, and it's been amplified by comicbook.com. So one, I want you to go into your kitchen. Ben, you're already in your kitchen. I'm in my kitchen. Get uh, your salt, and I want you to just pour it. Uh, I want you to take all of the salt that you have in your house, and I want you to take this rumor with all of the salt that you currently have. All the grains have. of salt. I'm going to go to Costco, <laughs> and I'm going to buy a bulk shipment of salt, and I'm going to leave it on your doorstep, and I want you to take this rumor with all of that salt. 
all I of said it was a rumor. I opened with that. I understand. I understand. We but couldn't I start hate, with Doomcock. <laughs> Just start in with that. I tried not to say one, that. One, I hate the fact that we have to dignify this rumor with on the pod. And I hate that comicbook.com dignified this rumor. One, two, two, this is more, this fault, for me, this fault, this rumor falls into the vein of very butthurt fans. Uh, and in a lot of cases, so chauvinist and misogynistic fans who hate Kathleen Kennedy, regardless of what she does, and want to generate... Mm want to generate reactions to like try and sow seeds of doubt and like pretending that there's a revolt at Lucasfilm or there's, you know, Dave Filoni and John Favreau who we love, which like I love them too, are somehow at odds with Kathleen Kennedy. And there's this civil, like we're generally, like, we're going out of our way to generate, to stir up shit, uh, to try to blame Kathleen Kennedy for like the problems uh, with the sequel trilogy. So that's point two. Point three, uh, and I mentioned this to you earlier this week, Ben, uh, and, and, and it's a good point. Like, Star Wars is not Marvel or DC or whatever. It is not, Star Wars are not comic books. Star Wars is not, and, and you make a good point, canon in the Star Wars universe is like, is, I mean, I compare it sometimes to the Bible. Like, what we decide goes into, like, the canon of, like, what is considered part of the Bible is very similar to, like, how do we determine what do we consider part of, like, the Star, like, part of the Star Wars universe. Um, and I think, I, I can't wrap my, I can't even dignify the idea of rebooting, because this is what this is. This is rebooting the sequel trilogy. It's, it's erasing it, putting it in a box, and shoving it away to in the legends category um and i would and i would just put this out out there for you guys what what series what franchises do we have positive memories of them rebooting um x-men sort of did it they retconned the first three x-men but then we got x-men apocalypse and we got x-men dark phoenix uh so pretty shitty track record there uh the Terminator series has tried to reboot, has tried to erase stuff. Pretty mixed, pretty shitty track record there. Um, what else? Uh, I just, like, people need to get over it. They need to learn to let go of their petty little, like, and I, and I am someone that has serious issues with episode nine, the final installment in this series. But you know what? I'm going to live with them. I'm going to learn to love it. I'm going to, you know, appreciate the parts that I, that I really enjoy. And I will argue fervently for the parts that I dislike, but Star Wars is Star Wars. And we're not, they, we're not traveling back in time and undoing stuff in Star Wars. Like that's not, that's not how Star Wars rolls. It's not, uh, yeah, I, I'll pause there. Cause I'm okay. probably, I'm probably getting into like tinfoil hat status soon, but well, uh, I, I think yeah. my my main issue is that when Disney bought the property to begin with, they undid all of their the the canon from the books that you've read. That's true. That's true. Right. That's true. 
those so, are books. Those are books and con like we're talking about saga movies. Right. And there there's a huge difference between between undoing uh like undoing that Luke Skywalker had a wife named Mara Jade and like there was and all of these other things. And and the beauty of like what we've seen from Star Wars recently is that they've pulled some of the things from Legends. They've pulled some of those things. They've listened to fans and they're like, you know what? People really loved these little threads from old Star mm -hmm. Wars stories. Let's pull them in to the current universe. But but there is a huge difference between a bunch of books. It's not like Disney bought Star Wars, and they're like, you know what? We're going to reboot the prequel trilogy because everyone hated it. No, like there, there's a there's a huge difference between books and and saga movies. Um, so I, I don't have an issue. Like I think I think that's a false equivalency there to to compare. Well, so Nate, yeah, I Go guess like because those movies weren't received very well, especially the Last Jedi. There's a lot of you know, I texted two of my friends who are also Star Wars nerds more to the effect than I am. I said, hey, like, what do you guys think about this? And both of them were like, oh, thank God. I think this would be great. Like, I, you know, because they know the potential of those stories that could be told that were originally in those, the original canon. And you and I have had those conversations about, like, how great those stories were. So I think that under the direction of John Favreau and Filoni, like, maybe something like this, maybe could look a lot better than in other franchises that, you know, like Terminator or whatever. Um, I think that uh, there's just a lot of letdowns in those movies. So I'm hoping that there's some validity to it. Yeah. And, and I get, and I get people's letdown with that. I, I don't think we're ever going to get a public opinion poll that's representative of the entire Star Wars fan base. I don't think a vast majority of Star Wars fans are clamoring, clamoring for this. I think some people, some people, there's there's a chunk, but two, this also come, this also raises the specter of are are we going to reboot? Are we going to erase Carrie Fisher's final Star Wars performance and Harrison Ford's final Star Wars performance? Are we going to? No, if you pay Harrison Ford enough, he'll show up again. No. I, I Harrison, Harrison Ford has been done with the Star Wars universe for the last like forty years. He no. Uh, we thought he was done in Force Awakens, and then he came back. Came back he to came Indiana back Jones to too. <laughs> I mean, I guess. But a ridiculous but Indiana hey, Jones movie. Okay. But, and there's another one on the way for some reason. Oh really? Yes. Yeah. Well, we can we we'll save Indiana Jones for another pod. Uh, okay. Just like just like so just real quick. If we got those, let's just hypothetical that we got like something similar to the canon that was erased, that Disney erased when they bought it, those, if those were turned into movies, would you say that those would be better than what we got? So what's, so, so when you talk about the canon that was erased, you're talking about like 200 books worth of like young adult novels and like, and, and novelizations. So you need to be very, like, there's a huge breadth of, like... I just say, like, like, just the way that you talk about like, them, you talk like, about them in a much, like, higher esteem than what we got in theaters is what I'm getting at. So the, so just the, the fans are kind of saying, like, yes, like, we still trust the storytelling, we still trust all that, but I feel like the way that the directors 
executed that through that these past three movies that you know there's a lot of different plot lines different things that could have happened that could have been better i um i i think um i don't i don't think so uh and partly be, well and here's here's the thing i i i'm i'm reaching a point of like exhaustion with star wars fans when we are like oh my gosh but this could have been better or like you should have you should have done this like we're we're backseat driving for like just i think we all like we it's amazing to me when like huge star wars fans have have missed so much of the point of the actual story of star wars that like we or like the lessons of star wars like i texted this to you ben like learn to let go of all that you fear to lose like one of the central teachings or one of the central like morality lessons of the star wars story is like learn to let go and be at peace with what like with what is outside of your control and and as star wars fans or at least the more like toxic and virulently like we must change everything they have completely missed the point on like no like just learn to let go be at peace with what is and what cannot be changed and and just live with it and and instead we are we're like a clenched fist holding around like our and i do love the old you know the old legend stories and all that but again ben i read those when i was like 15 so i am sure if i went back and revisited them similar to how i've gone back and revisited the last jedi or gone back and revisited other stuff where flipping through it you're just like your your opinion changed like we need we need we need to be able to mature with the movies and the books and have our opinions sometimes change um and so so i i don't think reboot it all and give a certain subsect of star wars fans just these old legends that they really love and just put that on the screen i don't think that is if they want to do those in subsequent movies and new in different movies and different stories go for it but don't erase all the work like don't erase adam driver as kylo ren i don't want you to erase that i don't want you to erase right i don't want you to erase um like just yeah li live with it live with it Sounds like let's think, move on. Sounds to me like you think Star Wars is real, bro. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I got from <laughs> <laughs> It didn't actually happen in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> well, no, that's true. That's true. Here, um, yeah, I, I get, I get, I probably get a little. I just like but. if there is any truth to this rumor, and if Filoni and Favreau are behind it. Like, I think that it's more than just the fans, you know, whining about the story, you know? I, I, I actually hope, uh, continue. Oh, I was just saying, like, it, it, those two guys have produced I will, some of the I best follow, Star Wars content. I will follow Dave Filoni into any, into any fire. Like, I will follow him to the gates of hell. But, ah. <laughs> but I also don't, I, I also don't think Dave Filoni is 
Dave Filoni has a greater understanding of like the Star Wars canon than you or I or anyone else on the internet. And he's actually like a creative involved in the process. So like, I will trust him with whatever, but I don't, I call, I call bullshit on this rumor completely. Totally. I actually hope our friend Doomcock is like correct on his, uh, <laughs> on his assessment here. It sounds really interesting. Oh, not because like the product's going to be better. I actually think that Star Wars has a lot of do like with the universe like that. They have so much. They they can make three movies that make us forget about these last three movies. They can do that without rec retconning stuff. I think they're perfectly capable of doing so. So I'm with you, Andrew. Um, but I also hope that that Doomcock giving us this juicy, uh, <laughs> this juicy uh, tea, these rumors here. Uh, um, it is interesting to me because like. Fan reception seems to be kind of like eh, like mixed, and it was interesting to me uh, too. Uh, I read um, I don't know if it says anything. I haven't gone through this whole article, but um, I've read uh, I, I think these are just tweets or something or Instagram posts I saw. But George Lucas is actually involved in this debate too, and that's really interesting to me. Like, is Star Wars has this gotten so big? And this I don't necessarily hope this conversation is happening because like. That's, you know, that sucks for Star Wars if they're over here, like, having internal conflicts about the plot and things. Like, you know, you want things to go smoothly for them. But, you know, it is interesting. Like, it, it has, has these last few decisions been that controversial within them, too? I, um, I mean, yeah, I kind of hope that they're taking it that seriously. George, you know, George I hope that. is on record as having, like, written or at least kind of scoped out his own trilogy before handing things over to uh, Disney. Um, so that's so that's so there's some some fact in that. I don't I don't know if he's I don't think he's written a trilogy where it's like I'm gonna respond to Disney's trilogy like this is how they should have done it. It was more like I've created this thing. I'm passing it on to you. Here are some story notes that like did I did had I, you know I have it like real quick. I would compare it to almost how like George R. R. Martin like wrote the Game of Thrones books and then yeah. like he lets them do the show up until season five where that's his last book. And then then they try to like figure it out on their own without anything to go off of and then fans just light it up like it's terrible and there's all yeah. these like potholes in it. And then now like George R. R. Martin could release his book and it looks so much better just by default because <laughs> the tv show was terrible so what i'm i don't know this is like george lucas's art you know his move he's like all right you know like y'all with the real the real deal he's playing, he's playing chess while the rest of us are playing checkers this was this is just a long con he was just, <laughs> <laughs> he could take like a decade off and then get back to but, it I mean. but look at it this way i think the prequels 15 years ago people were like oh my god they were such garbage but now they are a beloved part of the story flaws and all warts and all they are a beloved part of the star wars universe i think 10 years from now you're going to look back on the last jedi rise of skywalker force the sequel trilogy is like it has some flaws but i love it it's star wars i wouldn't change it for the world and and jay i completely agree create new stories and new movies that draw from the legends without having to retcon and reboot shit just like like i that sacred canon i was I was I was so I was so upset with the rise of Skywalker, but you know what? I got the Mandalorian, and I got season seven of the clone of Clone Wars. 
And okay, like Star Wars is still great. Like I still love it. Like it's not one bad movie or one story that I'm just like, uh, does not change like love for Star Wars. People keep talking about like Star Wars is dead. It's seven months later and we're still talking about this shit. So like mm -hmm. Star Wars is never going to be dead. Like Star Wars goes on. Uh...